Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Russell Spittler joins us today. He is co-founder and chief executive officer at Nudge Security. Russell, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Greg. I was just loving that guitar riff as I was coming in here. That was awesome. Uh, I wish I could say that I played that, but no, I'm not that good. <laughs> so, Well, I appreciate you joining us. I would like to start out by hearing about your cyber journey, why and how you got into cybersecurity um, and your path and how it led you to where you are today, to, to being an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was reflecting on, on my cyber journey as, as you kind of you know, hinted at asking that question. And, you know, really, as I think about it, it's probably been about 30 years at this point that I've been doing cybersecurity in some form. And, and I'm a little bit uh, older than I probably uh, present, but about 15 to 20 of that has been in professional form. But as, as I think about how I came into that world, I really came from the builder perspective. So I was always a uh, enthusiastic computer programmer always interested in building systems, always interested in figuring out how things work. And when I was in college, while they did have a computer program, unlike some of the older people in that, in that uh, industry, um, they did not have any cybersecurity courses at that time. And right. so a lot of my independent work ended up being in that cybersecurity areas that I found exciting. And at that time, that was static analysis, which nobody finds exciting. So I must have been a pretty weird kid. And so uh, working in static analysis, I found myself uh, leaving college and wanting to get involved in the industry, started work as an engineer at an early uh, static analysis company called Fortify Software, really saw the opportunity to kind of see the emerging opportunity in the application security world and figure out how that market got built. Um, from there, I, I moved into product management and I've been running products for uh, a number of different companies, first in that application security world and then in the security analytics world with a company called Alien Vault. I was fortunate enough to see both of those companies through to acquisition, first by HP, which for those people who don't know, used to make printers and cybersecurity products. Um, and then on the other side uh, by AT&T recently, before I started enough security. But as I think about, you know, the path, it was really about pursuing the things that I got interested in and going deep when I could and never giving up when I thought that it was just kind of a passion project and turning it into a career. That's awesome. And so now you're CEO and founder of, uh, co-founder, excuse me, of Nudge. What does Nudge Security do? Yeah, so Nudge Security really comes together with a couple of the passions that I've had in the industry. Um, first and foremost, from the name, one of the things that I really feel strongly about is that there is a huge opportunity for us to further engage our employees to be part of the cybersecurity solution. And so that's a, a piece of the problem that we're trying to solve at Nudge, using behavioral psychology in order to engage employees to drive behavioral change in order to see uh, more effective uh, results in terms of the day-to-day -day behavior within those employees. The other half of the problem is uh, what I sat down with my co-founder and talked about when we were leaving AT&T. And, you know, the, the advice I always got when you're starting a company is make sure that you are in an area where there is a massive rising tide because whatever you end up doing, there'll be some opportunity because you never end up executing against your first vision. You always have to pivot a little bit. And so that is really focused on the rise of enterprise SaaS and the shift that we've seen over the last five to 10 years where we went from on-prem exchange and SharePoint servers and Perforce, uh, you know, hosted underneath our desk to, you know, the modern world of GitHub and Salesforce and, um, uh, you know, Microsoft 365 and Google Workspace. 
And that transition uh, really has a massive impact on cybersecurity programs, but it's one that hasn't had as much focus as the shift to the sort of the public cloud works, workloads um, that we've seen. And so we really wanted to focus on, on helping organizations manage the sprawl of stats that they see in their organizations and give them effective ways to drive a, a behavioral change within their employees to get to a more effective and managed position. That's awesome. Well, um, what what are your uh, what are your um, what's your typical like customer like demographics? Yeah, so so that's that's another thing that probably comes from uh, years of experience in the cyber world. So my my first company was was absolutely an enterprise company, you know, focused on selling to the large financial services, the the military, the DoD. App, application security was an emerging market with a huge amount of evangelism. My second organization, Alien Vault, was really focused on the commercial market. How do we take technology, which is initially designed for um, uh, what was that that sort of you know Fortune 500 set, and make it available and effective for the, the commercial markets? And as I started Nudge, um, we really got attracted to the broader commercial market. And as such, we built our products so that if you're an organization with a few hundred to a few thousand employees we are a really effective solution for you. One that you can run without a huge amount of bandwidth on your IT and security team, and one where you can take advantage of the existing nascent bandwidth that you have within your employees to actually help solve those problems. And I love working with those markets because you get so many at-bats, so much feedback, so many people that, that are interested, and it really helps you build a much more comprehensive and mature product at a much faster rate than, than my early experience trying to, you know, mature something with a large bank somewhere in a closet. Well, with that experience working with uh, what I would call medium-sized businesses, um, my question for you in just a moment is going to be, what do you think is one of the, or a couple of the most significant cybersecurity threats to small and mid-sized businesses now? And I'll give you 30 seconds to think about that. All right. Are you a virtual CISO or interested in the space? Then join us at the Virtual CISO Exchange LinkedIn group. Now, small and mid-sized businesses often need executive-level information security experience but can't afford a full-time CISO. The Virtual CISO is one way to address that gap. And this group is for current and interested VCISOs to discuss issues and challenges both generally in information security and those specific to the VCISO space. Go ahead and search for it on LinkedIn. All right, Russell, you've had a little bit of time to think about that extraordinarily complex question. Uh, what do you what would you say is like the most significant threat right now to uh, cybersecurity for small and mid-sized businesses? You know, uh, I wouldn't have started a company in this area if I didn't think this was the biggest threat. So there's a couple of dynamics that come into play. One thing that I observe consistently with SMBs is they continue to look at sort of the Fortune 500 set to set their security priorities and roadmaps. But the, but the true reality is, is they have an opportunity to do the, uh, the, the, the cell phone leap. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but you know, in, in a lot of emerging countries, we didn't lay out traditional telephonic infrastructure, copper wire to every house. We just put in cell phones, you know, cell towers across that. And, and that was a generational leap where you had an opportunity to take a different approach to the problem in order to solve it more effectively. As I look at SMBs, we often have that same opportunity with cybersecurity. And so what is pretty consistent around uh, 5,000 employees or less, and also dependent settlement on your tenure, is almost all of those organizations have benefited from the direct leap to enterprise SaaS. 
you know, this idea of being able to use Microsoft 365 and GitHub and Google Docs and all of these purpose-built technologies to be more efficient, most SMBs have realized. And that's where I see actually one of the unmanaged risks in most organizations, where they might have a list of their top two or three services, probably the ones with the biggest bills that they pay every month, but they have very little visibility into the long tail of services that their employees have adopted and likely integrated through OAuth grants and everything else into those primary um, SaaS services that they're leveraging. And so when I think about that, if you don't understand the technology that you're using in your organization, you can't with a straight face say, I know where my customer data is, I know where my corporate IP is, I know where my employee information is. All of those things end up being a largely unmanaged risk. Based on our data, what we see is about one to one and a half SaaS services per employee. So if you think about that from the perspective of even a 500 employee um, company, you're looking at somewhere between 500 and 750 SaaS applications. It's a massive amount of work if you were to attack that problem in a traditional perspective of let me ensure that I have appropriate identity governance, appropriate sort of technology governance, I've done the right steps to do that. And so that's an area where I look to SMBs and start to recognize that we really need to do something more to help them to more effectively manage this sprawl of data, this sprawl of SaaS that they are probably realizing uh, today just behave because of that employee behavior in adopting these technologies, making it so easy. So with what is, I, I know that this dovetails with what Nudge does, but from a pragmatic standpoint, how, how does Nudge solve this issue? Yeah, so, so with any issue, the first one is understanding. So you need to have discovery and visibility into what technology is out there and how it's being leveraged and who's using it. Um, so Nudge has a, actually a patented approach for, for discovering your SaaS services. We can deploy within about five minutes and within about two or three hours. We can give you visibility to every account, every app that every um, employee is using in your organization. And that sounds like a magic trick and it kind of is, but what we do is we take advantage of one design pattern every SaaS application has, which is as soon as you sign up, they have one motivation and that's to drive further engagement. And they only right. have one communication channel that's universal and that's email. So we hook into that enterprise email and piece together from the communication of those SaaS providers, a very detailed picture of who has access to what resources, what accounts they have access to, what apps are in use. Um, and we can do a lot, like figure out who the admin is for every single technology that's out there. And with that understanding of what technology is in use, who has access to it, who's responsible for it, we can start to drive behavioral change. And that can be simple as, hey, did you know you just signed up for Dropbox and our organization uses OneDrive? Why are you using Dropbox today? That simple educational nudge is usually very effective. The second piece might be, hey, you just introduced um, Calixa. You know, what are you going to be using it for in our organization? Right? And just gathering that little bit of contact and information allows you to start to engage with that first user of the product and really define sort of future history of how that product's going to be adopted within your organization. There's a lot more use cases, but I, I certainly don't want to um, uh, dwell on that. But really, the goal there is discovery, visibility, and then opportunity for effective, proactive engagement with those employees to solve problems before they turn into big problems. Yeah, because I, I know one of the things that we see as a virtual CISO practitioner is 
uh, small and mid-sized businesses just having a, a hard time wrapping their hands around the shadow IT issue. And, and I've always seen if you have a shadow IT issue, then fundamentally you're doing something wrong with regards to how you're running your infrastructure to begin with. You're not offering the right solution, so people are going out to get it. But the, the challenge has always been that visibility that you were talking about. It's what you don't – usually the way that – folks discover it is just that it's like something happens or they just something something is triggered that's like well i didn't realize that marketing was using dropbox how did that happen you know um so having something like nudge if i understand correctly is a good solution for really wrapping your hands around being able to figure out what's actually going on in your infrastructure if i were if i was to distill that down to like one simple statement is that fairly close that that's absolutely the case uh, there, there's one thing that i might i might slightly disagree with in in your description there which is you know i don't believe the root cause of shadow it being a failure of a centralized organization providing the right, right technology i certainly agree that's one of the perhaps um aggregating scenarios right you know you, you say hey you have to use uh you know, Adobe PDF Reader 95, because that's one we've approved and you can't, you know, use anything else. That's probably not going to create too many happy users. But I think the real driving force of this is the consumerization of that technology. If you look at the go-to-market models of any SaaS provider out there, they're designed to get you to start using the product. They're designed to get your team to start collaborating with you in those products. And I'm not faulting those SaaS providers. That's the same economic model that we use in our consumer life, right? Or, you know, hey, here's a, a free trial for Netflix and then, you know, put in your credit card and I'll do it. We're used to this idea of technology choice, consumerized technology choice, but we have a lot of autonomy in what technology we want to use. And so when I see that behavior within organizations, it's really behavioral change. You, consumers are used to doing it in their personal lives. When they go to work, they're used to doing it. They reach for the technology that they think is going to make them most productive and most effective in their job, either from familiarity with that technology or because of, you know, past experience or because they read some cool blog on Reddit or I guess they don't call them blogs or they call them on Reddit, whatever, some post on Reddit, right? So Reddit? Um, I don't know. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Reddit um, uh, shows my, my probably age and naivety. Um, but anyways, um, you know, with all that said, you know, employees have been changed to do, trained to do that. So when I see the problem, what I really think about is how do we embrace, contain, and redirect? Because this is not going to be something where I can just turn off the spigot and say, hey, you can't access the internet anymore. That's just going to drive people underground. And right. so I need to have constructive outlets for this, allow people to do this, but allow them to be seen while they're doing it, allow a centralized organization to set those policies and make sure that we can effectively redirect when those employees aren't making the choices that we think are appropriate for our organization. I love the fact that you, I love the fact that you corrected me because <laughs> um, correction is always the gateway to um, more knowledge and growing. And, and I will admit being a fossil myself, I guess, in the IT uh, realm having having been that this now for a third of a century i can measure this in centuries um my i have always seen the path as like it always started out that it was just it was just central it it's like if you wanted any sort of connectivity you had zero other choice 
And then it became, it's just like, well, um, IT runs this stuff, but we've been telling them for all this time that we need to do this and they can't find a solution. And hey, I found this thing on the internet that can do this for us. And it looks like that we can install it and we run it there. And there's your shadow IT. Now we've gotten to the point, to, to your point about go to market where, and I never considered this before. This is why I love doing the podcast because it gets me to think a little bit further down the road is that how we've evolved as far as uh, go to market and consumerization. You're right. The, the, the streaming service is a great example. It's just like there are a multitude of streaming services out there. Whereas um, back in the day you had either over the air or cable basically. And now it's like, well, well, which one works better for me? And, and uh, which one has the, uh, the, the things that I want to watch on it. And, and yet um, that could introduce some, issues within families for example if like your children decide that they want to subscribe to a naughty channel for example and a streaming service and not tell you so i like the analogy i i'm I'm one of those that work very well with analogies and and once you understand the problem then it's easier to come to a solution so um i know we've talked about nudge before but uh I, i i i'm fascinated with the idea because i do think that um folks going out ultimately folks going out and having their access or their information on areas that that the the you don't have visibility in is probably one of the most significant risks out there for that i will agree it's it, it's absolutely true and the other thing that you need to kind of like shift our mentality on a little bit is is this kind of myth of the stupid user right you know and 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 i i am myself to blame because certainly for years especially in the security analytics space you're always like oh well that was an instant because somebody clicked on a link right and you're like you know oh that user right they messed up my good environment because they let something in right and and i was there I, i i did that but when we think about this challenge right now in organizations people aren't going to Airtable because they really want to make a spreadsheet they're going to Airtable because they're trying to get their job done exactly. and they think this is going to be more efficient, right? Exactly. It's going to make them more productive. And we can't fault our employees for trying to be more productive, more efficient. Um, we can be frustrated with them for yet another spreadsheet service in our environment. But that's one of the areas where I really believe that kind of embrace and redirect ends up with a lot more effective relationship between the people trying to control it. And a much more receptive audience when when you don't engage with the, hey, here's a red screen, you can't go there. Actually, hey, nobody else is really using this. Why are you doing this today? Help us understand so we can adapt and evolve with you. And here's the risks that we see by you using this and, and help us understand how we can mitigate those risks. A user, when presented with, with an engagement along those lines, usually is very receptive. We've seen 78% of people receive those in a positive manner. And usually it opens up a much better conversation. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that data processor was in Belarus and that has no, you know, security certifications. And there's a huge unmitigated risk related to sharing information out there. You know, it's a very different conversation than, than you know, hey, well, I just was trying to get some work done and I got a deadline by Friday. Yeah, that's a great example of pointing out how being the... Uh office of no, the security office being, you know, always saying no, that never, ever has historically worked. So... And, and nobody wants to be there anymore. You know, no. I, think, I think we've all played that game out long enough. Yeah, we, we have. Well, um, 
everything cyber can be stressful and hex and certainly having been working in it for as long as you have and as long as i have and we've seen a lot during that time and and i don't know about you but certainly i've had a lot of stresses that i've had to deal with and and then you add on top of that being a, a business owner and and the stresses of being an entrepreneur come with that what is uh, one of the things that you do to try to get away from all of this because if we don't get away um it, it eats at our effectiveness to a point of like unsustainability. You know, I am uh, probably one of the most low tech people outside of my business life as I can be. So um, this afternoon, after I get off work, I'm taking my three kids and we're going camping up in the mountains in a place with no cell service. And we'll be making fires and cooking marshmallows and uh, enjoying the, the, you know, sound of the stream next to our tent. And I love just getting away from the plugged in world and being disconnected for a few days and uh, spending time with my children. That's awesome. Yeah, the the I, I have to tell you and I have to work on this. So I'm confessing now um, I that would make me feel very anxious, not not being around children or being around a bubbling stream, but being without this thing right here. <laughs> And, and, and I, I recognize that's not a healthy thing. So uh, one of these days, if I can muster up the time and the um, courage just to try to do it for a day, um, because see with me, it's not so much like the uh, uh, connection for pleasure, internet, um, entertainment, that sort of thing. It's, it's business stuff. I've always got something going on in my head. I always want to do something. I always want to try something Absolutely. and just to shut that off for a day. Um, probably is not a bad idea. Um, what are your future plans, whether for you or for the company or both? I mean, I love what you guys are doing at Nudge. I think this is great. I'm really excited about where we have a chance to take Nudge. I think we're, we're at the sort of cusp of, of two major opportunities in the cybersecurity market. As you think about SaaS, there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done in that SaaS space. And, and I love it and it's making us more productive it's making us more inefficient. I mean, the fact that I can hit an OAuth grant and all of a sudden have automation set up between two technologies as opposed to like a Python script and API keys and like data transformations, that's amazing, right? And that's yeah. a great place for us to be. Uh, along the same line, I look at the opportunity for us to shift this struggle from one that's centralized and in the hands of a few people in an organization who feel like they're always the, the paranoid department of no to actually more effectively and broadly engaging the employee base who wants to do the right thing. Most employees have a very strong allegiance to the future success of their company. You know, it's feeding them, it's feeding their children. They, they want it to succeed. And so for us to, to tap into that and make security part of their considerations and make that risk conversation part of their considerations as they're making their daily choices, I see that as one of the biggest opportunities we have to changing the tide and actually get into a more effective position to defend our organizations and drive our organizations forward, not only for growth, for productivity, but for security. And, and I get really passionate about that and really excited about that as I look to the future. That's awesome. Russell, I so much enjoyed catching up with you today. Love what you're doing again over at Nudge. And you go out and you have a great time with your family and by the stream there and uh, being disconnected. I hope you have a wonderful time there. Thank you, Greg. Have a good week. And everybody, stay secure.